0: Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today as we launch into a new mini-series entitled, How to Avoid a Post-Holiday Divorce. Now, if you're not planning on getting divorced after the holidays, don't turn off the radio just yet. I have something to say to you. The divorce season for lawyers is January through March. The divorce month is January where there's a 27% surge in divorces. And the divorce day is the first Monday after New Year's. That's known as Divorce Day, and then those divorces that are sought right after the first of the year, the filings peak around March and then some again in August. But right now, in December, the internet searches for divorce-related information soars. Now, this series is entitled, How and Why to Avoid a Post-Holiday Divorce, but You could also entitle it just how to avoid a divorce period because this information is going to be good any time of the year. And not only those who are going through difficult times in their marriages right now, because as many of you know, the holidays can intensify marital problems rather than relieve them. But here's the second reason why, because you as a friend or a family member can help the post-holiday divorce plague from spreading. Every year in December, we send our financial supporters a collection of testimonies that people have sent us, and it's very encouraging to us. We let our donors know how they've cooperated with us and, and reaching people who need some help. And by the way, if you'd like to get a copy of that letter, you can just send an email to askthehost at gmail.com and give us your snail mail address. We'll give you a copy of that. But here's my favorite. This is from Regina. Thank you for saving my marriage. Everything was falling apart. It had been for years. A friend of mine told me to listen to your CD, I did. And then I went to your website and got my husband signed up for the program. That's the dads.org free newsletter at dads.org. My husband was so relieved to learn that the church's teachings are freeing and not cramping. We now go to mass every day and love going to confession and adoration. Most of all, we talk and get to know each other. Without your CD, we would have been lost more thanks than there are words. I'll tell you, that's that's my um, top one of all the just very gracious testimonies we've received here at the Family Life Center. But here's what I want you to hear very clearly. This is the really important thing. Regina's story, this is talking about a marriage saved, a family held together. These were long-term problems, It had been going on for years, and we didn't directly have anything to do with it. We provided some content, just like the content that you're gonna hear in this mini-series, but it wasn't us who gave Regina the message. It was a friend of hers who knew what she was going through and gave her that information, and that's why this mini-series, yes, it's for those who are listening right now, going through a difficult time, and you want to know how to avoid a divorce, but even more so, this mini-series is for you to be able to help a friend or a family member avoid a divorce, Don't tell your friend, oh, you know, it's just time to get on with your life and you deserve to be happy and blah, blah, blah. You're really in the long-term not helping your friend or family member. And what you need to do is be able to put your hands on some strategies. And I'm gonna have somewhere between 10 and a dozen strategies for you to share with somebody who has confided in you that they're planning a divorce. Now, you don't, I would suggest remembering all these, and I'll give you a list, uh, just a list that will help trigger your memory if you listen to these broadcasts. And you can request that list of 12 strategies to avoid a divorce um, and simply send an email request to askthehost at gmail.com. But even with that, my guess is is that even somebody willing to do two, three, or four of these steps could reverse the path to divorce. In other words, you would have progress rather than regress. So here's the first of the 10 to 12 strategies I'm gonna be sharing with you in this mini series. Number one, consider the children and the regrets. You know, The reports vary quite a bit, but around 50% of couples divorcing regret their decision. They have gone in and asked couples who have been divorced about five years, and there's a lot of turmoil. Uh, There might be actually some very temporary relief and feeling of euphoria, like, whew, done with that, ready for a new chapter in my life. And then a few months goes down the road and reality sets in, 50% of the couples divorcing regret their decision. So you as a friend need to be very careful about suggesting that step. And if you're contemplating a divorce, you actually may regret that down the line. So think very carefully. Just for men, and this, I don't know, I can't help but throw this in, but I I deal with a lot of men through St. Joseph's Covenant Keepers. This is a Yale University researcher was trying to discover the effect of smoking on men's health, and he discovered, he wasn't looking for this, but he discovered that divorce seemed about as dangerous to a man's health as smoking an entire pack of cigarettes each day. In other words, it's very often not what the outcome isn't what you would expect for it to be. Now, there are two types of marital situations that lead to divorce. One is called a low stress divorce and the other is a high stress divorce. Now, these are clinical descriptions. So let me maybe paint a picture. Uh, here's a high stress situation. And this couple wasn't actually married, but this is a very real situation that actually happened. This guy woke up. His girlfriend was uh, either standing over him or on top of him with two ha- hands holding a gun to his head. She was mad at him. Now, that's what you would call a high stress situation. That's not what we're addressing in this this series of shows. A low-stress divorce is one that can be reversed, that's frequently reversed, that's usually reversed if given enough time. Now, remember I mentioned a low-stress divorce is a clinical term because if you or a friend of yours is in a low stress situation that's leading to contemplate divorce, it doesn't seem low at all. It seems to eclipse your whole mind. It colors all your relationships. It's it, And it's unimaginable that you would want to stay in such a situation for 10, 20, 30, 40, or 50 years. It's its not something you would want at all. It, it's something you want to get out of. But you know, your probability of getting back into the same situation after divorce is actually quite high. Divorce may not be the solution for an unhappy marriage. Now, I want to talk for a moment, particularly to those who have friends or those who are going to contemplate a divorce, who are fairly recently married. By recently married, I'm talking about the first decade of marriage. This applies to marriages at all stages of life, but particularly this is the a message for the first 10 years. All right, let me be very clear. Uh, all marriages have ups and downs. And I wanna underscore all Christian marriages have ups and downs. All Catholic marriages have ups and downs. All Catholics who listen to Catholic radio, their marriages have ups and downs. There's no there's there's no one who escapes this. There's ups and downs. Okay, and during the first decade of marriage, there are going to be times when the husband is kind of having an up period of his life. Things are going well at work. He just got a promotion. He's happy. His team's made it to the playoffs. Um, And yet maybe his fairly new wife has just given birth to a first child. Uh, She's going through sleep deprivation, having some uh, depression issues. So she's down. This couple are, are probably not going to divorce because he is up while she is down. They're okay. You even reverse that. Let's say like a lot of people like right now this month uh, working for General Motors, a lot of guys counting on a lifelong employment are laid off right before Christmas. Believe me, they're down. They're way down. And if the wife isn't down, going through a down period as well, she has a way. This is why the Bible says, you know, two are better than one. And in these kind of situations, the other spouse who is up can help lift the other one. Now, sometime, this is just on average, but sometime during that first 10 years of marriage, there's going to be what I, it just, this is my term, it's not an official term, it's the double dip it's when both husbands and wives are going through that down phase and if it's an extreme down phase let's say the like i explained with the husband unexpectedly boom unemployed with no good prospects of reemployment and the wife's going through her down period that's a real danger point in marriage and what you do at that point is very important because Everybody is going to go through ups and downs. There's no exclusions. If you're listening to my voice and you're married, you're not excluded from the ups and downs. And particularly through the first decade of marriage, there's gonna come a point where both are down. Now you're gonna think when I, and again, this is a low stress marriage, but you're gonna think this is the end of the world. This is the end of your marriage. You made the biggest mistake of your life and everything else. Let me tell you what happens if you simply stick it out for five years, not 50, not 25, five years. And when I say stick it out, it might mean going to a marriage counselor. It might mean talking to your priest. It might be having a mentoring program or retrovie, or it might mean doing absolutely nothing except sticking it out for five years. Here it is. This is from the book, The Case for Marriage by Linda Waite and Maggie Gallagher. 86% of those who rated their marriages as unhappy and yet stayed married said five years later that their marriage was happier. 86% went from unhappy to happier if they just stuck it out. Now, what about those, though, who are really deep into that double dip. In other words, they would describe their marriage as very unhappy. What happens to these folks if they would stick it out for five years? Seventy-seven percent of those who self-describe their marriage as very unhappy and yet stuck it out for five years describe their marriage as either very happy or quite happy. You see, right at that point of testing, and and marriages go through testing, and I'm slightly troubled in a sense that people think they can call a Catholic radio show and get a tip or read a book or listen to a CD or something and presto, everything's. No, sometimes we go through valleys Uh, That's what the 23rd Psalm is all about. That's why the book of Psalms is so good. There's very high points and there's very low points. God's with you there at both, and it may mean that you are going through a low point. The solution for a low point is asking for God's grace to stick together, to honor your vows, and there's a very high probability that you will find a happy marriage within five years. Now, there's about 50% of marriages that don't encounter that. And some of those will be clinically high-stress marriages or certain addictions and other things which we're gonna address in future episodes. But for the vast majority, your friends, your family members, don't tell them just move on. Be a friend because if the husband's down, If the wife's down, well, they're gonna be down. But this is what friends and family are for at that point to encourage and says, you know what? Every time I go to mass, I'm gonna pray for you too, that your marriage is healed, restored, and you recover that happiness and marriage that you want. How about that, being a friend? And let me tell you, you want a Merry Christmas? One of the deepest joys you'll ever experience, ever experience, is being used by God to save a soul, to save a marriage, or to save a family. I tell you, it it, it is the, because there's so much joy in heaven when that happens and heaven shares its joy with you, and it's as simple as being a friend who would pass on a CD, or I heard this radio show, you need to get a hold of it, okay? Now, that's why you don't want to bail out of a marriage, even if you're into the double dip. Uh, For the vast majority of couples, this does not last forever. So we don't want to do something we later regret. But what about the kids? I asked you to uh, consider the children and the regrets. Now, let's talk about the long-term consequences for those children whose parents decide to split up. Now, I realize that if you watch something like the Today Show or go to the many internet websites that tell you how to successfully navigate a divorce, and they'll show kind of happy people who have gone through this. This is tough on the children. And you really need to consider the children, not just yourself. Because children who grow up without both biological parents are more likely to drop out of high school. The girls are two and a half times more likely to become teen mothers. They're more likely to be unemployed as they get older or to drop out of school. Our prisons, as you know, are filled with fatherless men. As adults, there's higher rates of divorce, higher rates of depression. You see, children aren't as resilient as many would lead you to believe. And I realize there's all kinds of studies that they'll trot out before the public and try to convince them that the kids will really recover for this. If you use a mediator in your divorce and have a mutually agreeable joint custody, the kids will just be fine. That's not true, okay? The best book on this is a book by Judith Wallerstein entitled, The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce, subtitled, A 25-Year Landmark Study. Let me tell you why this book is so different from all the other studies on the children of divorce. What Judith did is started with children when they were young and interviewed them. But then she didn't kind of go away and publish her findings on the internet or in some journal. She kept track of these young people as they were growing up through their teen years, what was their levels of experimentation with alcohol and drugs, their dropout rates of high school. And she followed them for 25 years. I need to read you just a couple of blurbs because I'm going to give you the central finding from this book. It's like 377 pages. And I'm going to boil it down for a paragraph with you. But listen to what some very respected people said of her work. Judith Wallerstein and co-authors take us on a courageous, objective confrontation of the aftermath of divorce as it affects children from childhood to adulthood. Did you hear this? It's not something that they go through for 12 months from childhood through adulthood. A must for anyone dealing personally or professionally with the issue of divorce. This is from Paulina Kernberg, MD, Professor of Psychiatry at the Cornell Medical College. Another blurb. This book shakes us all into recognizing the long term effects on children of a broken family. It reveals the adult myths about divorce and the adults' expectations for their children's outcome. Studying children of divorce 25 years later destroys these myths and gives us new important insights. And this is from Dr. Barry Brazelton. So what did she find out? The central finding of this book is this. And and then this is just one of many, because I mean, she goes into drug and alcohol abuse. And of course, drug abuse is on the front page again in our society, and there's a number of things fueling this, but you don't see this mentioned too often. But here's the central finding. Contrary to what we have long thought, the major impact of divorce does not occur during childhood or adolescence. Rather, it rises in adulthood as serious romantic relationships move center stage when it comes time to choose a life mate and build a new family, the effects of divorce crescendo. A central finding to my research is that children identify not only with their mother and father as separate individuals, but with the relationship between them. They carry the template of this relationship into adulthood and use it to seek the image of their new family. The absence of a good image negatively influences their search for love, intimacy, and commitment. Anxiety leads many into making bad choices in relationships, giving up hastily when problems arise, or avoiding Relationships all together. And so the key finding in her book isn't just how divorce affects children, but it it has an effect that she studied for a quarter of a century. And particularly when these children of divorce come up to the age of seeking a marriage partner, this is where the problems emerge. And I'm just going to put in a PS. For those priests or canonists who says just get your divorce and see me afterwards for annulment and then we'll take care of this. No. It won't be taken care of because with the children this will go on for a quarter of a century. And actually for girls it it, it tends to submarine. In other words, you see it when it happens, there's effects, there's observable effects in childhood and Okay, then the submarine submerges. The, again, particularly for women, it seems it, it kind of goes underground. But boy, oh boy, let that surface again when they meet somebody. And I've seen this for both men and women. Very sincere, pious, devoted Catholic young men and women can't make a commitment because of their template for marriage is filled with distrust and fear. I mean, imagine if you're a little girl and the first man in your life left your home permanently. How in the world, when you're 25 or 30, going to trust any other man when the first man in your life, in your mind, not necessarily his mind, but in your mind, abandoned you? And very often, the children of divorce... Are looking for somebody who understands the pain they've gone through for years. So they meet another child of divorce. They have someone to talk with and someone to listen to. They both understand each other. So they try to get married. And then guess what happens after you get married? It's not like the magazines, it's not like the romance novels, it's not like the TV shows. All couples, Christians and non-Christians, go through ups and downs in marriage. I've already described this. And what happens, you know, it could be even the slightest down, the slightest, particularly double dip, not a severe one, okay? The fear is going to arise immediately because they think, ah, I'm in a repeat of what happened to my parents. What happened to them is now happening to me. And and then you start a, a very subtle withdrawal from commitment to marriage because you don't want that hurt to be repeated. And for a marriage to work, you can't withdraw. You can't kind of give half your trust, half your faithfulness. It doesn't work that way. Marriage is built, really built on trust and commitment. And you can't let fear and distrust pull you out. So basically, I'm just giving you from Judith Wallerstein's 377-page book, a central finding. There's dozens more. So there can be regrets to yourself, to your health, looking back in time, wish I hadn't done it. And then for children, it can go on for a quarter of a century or more. You don't want to do that. Join us next time, and we are going to discuss very concrete ways to avoid a divorce. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 216 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.